Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 62. What's up, everyone? This is Cole Hatter from Thrive. And if you want to make your money matter, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my boy, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have not yet joined our Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta, then you are missing out on some tips and some tricks and everything in between on how to network better, how to build those relationships better. If you haven't joined yet, please head over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB to join and be a part of the group, and I will see you there. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Cole Hatter. Cole is an entrepreneur, investor, and award-winning speaker. He's the founder of Thrive Make Money Matter, a three-day business conference designed to teach attendees how to start businesses that don't just make money, but make a difference. He's a husband, father, and philanthropist that strives to give back. Cole works to encourage, educate, and help people live powerful lives. Cole, thanks so much for coming to the show today, bro. Really, really excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and expound a little bit on that intro and tell us more about yourself? 
Thanks, Travis. Yeah, so uh, just like you said, man, I have my event Thrive. That's my main hustle, my main jam. Uh, Three-day conference that has taken place in Vegas and San Diego. But my thing I'm most proud of is definitely my family. I married up, have an amazing wife and two precious little girls that you know I'm trying to not just provide for, but try to leave a legacy for and, and live a life uh, as an example for what you know, you can do without limitations. The way that I've made the majority of my money in the 12 years I've been an entrepreneur is investing primarily in real estate and then more recently in a diverse of things like I've invested in a couple of funds. I've invested in businesses as an angel investor. Of course, you got to throw Bitcoin in there. Who hasn't bought ask. some of that? Yeah. Who hasn't bought some of that? But <laughs> I'm not one of the rah-rah Bitcoiners, though. I did it just to say, I had fear of loss, right? I was like FOMO'd out, of so course. I bought some, and now I'm just leaving it alone. So anyway, but that's where you know the roof over my head comes from is, is a series of investing I've done. I've lost a lot of money. Thank goodness I've made more money than I've lost, and I'm way <laughs> up. That's it, man, just investing in people and businesses that I believe in, real estate, and then building my Thrive Tribe. How did you start into real estate? Because I know that there's a lot of people out there that would you know, love, quote unquote, to get into real estate investing, but they think that there's a huge barrier to entry that you got to have a lot of money to play with. Did you start with a good amount of money? Did you go get some loans? Did you start just wholesaling? How did you get into it? So I found real estate accidentally. I was actually a firefighter and got in a really bad car accident, not on the job in my personal life that ended my firefighting career for the time. And while I was recovering, I actually had to move into my mom and dad's house because I was so hurt, I couldn't even care for myself. And as I was learning how to walk again, when I got on my wheelchair, I'd have to like go out and practice walking. And you know, the neighbors were a real estate couple. They lived in a big, beautiful house, drove big, beautiful cars, and in just conversations with them, I saw how much money they made and the freedom that they had that you know, during the work day, while all the houses were empty, they were outside and had a lot of freedom. And so I thought, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever physically be capable of being a firefighter again. Maybe I just do real estate for a little bit as a real estate agent to make some money until I can go back to the fire department. Hmm. Real estate agent very quickly turned into real estate investor because I accidentally walked into a real estate investment workshop. I thought that everybody that did real estate did the exact same thing. I didn't realize there was a difference. So I'd been a real estate agent, no joke, for about three weeks. Like I had just passed the test, <laughs> did my fingerprints, and was looking to hang my license at a brokerage yeah. and walked into this room and realized, wow, there's a big difference between profits and commissions. Right. As a right. real estate agent, I'm going to be chasing commissions. As a real estate investor, I get to make all these profits. So that's when I made the change in my mind. Like you said, obviously it does take money. The good news is it doesn't take your money. So, you know, people say it takes money to make money. At least in real estate, that is true because you got to buy houses. Right. The good news is it doesn't take your money. So a lot of people use that saying as maybe a scapegoat to like say, hey, listen, I would do real estate, but I just don't have any money and it takes money to make money. Mm -hmm. Well, at 21 years old, living with my parents, having recovered from a tragic car accident that ended my career, I had no money at all. And so... To answer your question, I didn't get bank loans. I worked with creative financing, and I found people to do a joint venture partnership where I said, hey, you're really rich. I've got nothing but time. Let's partner. You fund the deals. I'll do 100% of the work. You sit back and do nothing, and we'll split the profits 50-50. And I found a gentleman actually at my church of all places that was interested in doing that. That's how we did our first couple of deals. And I should mention my dad became my business partner as well. I sat my dad down and said, dude, let's go you know, buy, fix, and flip real estate. He saw a lot of opportunity because at this time it was 2005, and mm. real estate was exploding right, here in Southern right. California. Like You literally couldn't lose. Right. So my dad became my partner. We went out. We raised the money with a third gentleman. 
that was our lender. And that was the beginning of it. And that guy, you know, probably lent on, oh, 20 or so of our deals. And then by that time we had experience, we started developing our network. We met other lenders. And instead of doing joint venture partnerships where we had to give up half the profits, we started borrowing like hard money, private money mm -hmm. at a set interest rate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can talk about that as well, that, you know, giving up half the profits is really expensive. And I know people that turn deals down because they're like, I'm not going to give up half the profit. But for me at 21, I said it's better to make 50% of something than 100% of nothing. Right, so right. that's where my career began. And then uh, eventually, you know, built relationships with lenders where I would pay them interest on the money I borrowed, but I would keep all the profits. And that's what I love about what you, the two words that I picked out of that whole thing was creative financing because you're 21 years old, you have no money, but not just no money, you have no way to prove to the banks that you can pay back your loan. So you can't totally. go to a traditional lender and be like, oh, here's my tax return, give me a loan because you don't have a tax return because you don't have a job. <laughs> so you have to go find somebody to be like, all right, so here's some money. If you can find a deal, I have some money because who doesn't like to make money? That's like the probably the biggest thing that I pulled out of that was the creative financing because the bottom line is if you're out there and you're thinking, I want to get into real estate investing, you can do it and you do not need your money. There's plenty and plenty of ways to go and secure funding and financing if you can do the work and find the deals. There's no Let shortage me. of money. There's a shortage of deals. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Totally. Let me help your audience even more. So the way that this works, in addition to creative financing, it's called asset-based lending. And so Although at 21, I had a decent credit score, not a long credit history, but a decent credit score. I had no tax returns because I was unemployed, living at my parents' house, recovering from my car accident, literally on disability, right? And so another thing that hangs people up 
of wanting to go raise money is maybe they don't have the best credit score or maybe they don't have solid tax returns. And what asset-based lending is within creative financing is they look at the deal and not the borrower. And so because this gentleman and I were buying houses at 60% under market value and then renovating them, so we're only into them maybe 80% of what's called their ARV, their after repair value. There was enough margin in there that he didn't care what my credit score was because the deal had enough profit and enough spread that that was the safety. And so that's another thing that while we're on that subject and while you're encouraging your audience to, if they're interested in real estate, not let the financing be an issue, the next thing that some people think of is, okay, yeah, there's creative financing, but I couldn't qualify for that either. And the reality is that if you brought somebody a deal with enough margin where the purchase price and repairs was significantly below what the market value of that property is, lenders will look at the asset and care less about the borrower. Now, I don't want to say care less. They want to make sure you know real estate, hmm. but care less about the financials of the borrower, care more about the expertise of the borrower, knowing what they're doing in their business. How much time when you were first starting into all this, Cole, how much time did you spend scouring the MLS or looking at properties and trying to find these deals? All day, every day. All day. I mean, day. you know, nothing comes easy. I've been able to make millions of dollars. And, you know, there's Gary V talks about this a lot. We were just talking about Gary before we pressed record. Right. And a lot of people look at him and say, man, you're so successful. How'd you do it? And he's like, I was grinding for 17 years as an entrepreneur before I recorded the very first wine library TV. Right. You don't see all of that foundational work and effort. You just see the Gary V today running a $180 million company with 600 employees. And a lot of people look at me today and they say, oh my gosh, cool. You got so lucky. But those first few years, 12 years ago, I freaking grinded. And right, so right. I was looking at deals, networking. I was going to networking events called REIA groups for real estate investors. It's REIA, Real Estate Investor Associations. And I was studying. That's the main thing. Beyond even looking for deals, I was studying the business. I was going to live trainings that I could afford. I was buying coaching programs that I could afford, which I couldn't afford much. I was racking up credit card debt because I was like, screw it, I'm going all in. And it worked out for me. So I don't want to make this sound so easy that your listeners, oh, yeah, you just find a creative financer. You you know, it's asset-based lending and you go. The only reason those people were willing to give me money was because I had spent months studying the market, studying the business, being coached by real estate investors, and again, finding deals. So if you have, let's say, just strip it down bare bones here, Cole, let's say you have $50,000 right now and it's not quite enough to go in and get into your first investment and you feel like you feel comfortable doing that. Maybe it's too small amount of money to put into, a, you know, an index mutual fund or to, you know, you don't want to go buy three Bitcoin with it or whatever it is. Where do you recommend putting that money? Do you put it into down payment on real estate? Do you put it into a cryptocurrency, a stock, or do you invest it into yourself? So when it comes to investing, again, I have a diversity of investments. My main jam is real estate, so I'm a little biased towards real estate. But to just answer your question straight up, it really depends on the risk tolerance of the person. You know, what risk tolerance do you have? Are you risk adverse or do you like taking risk, right? So, and then the other thing is, what's your preference on liquidity in the sense that stocks are fairly liquid? I can invest, I could do day trading, I could buy and sell on the same day. There's a bit more of a process currently with cryptocurrency. And then in real estate, if you were to put that into real estate, it's not liquid. You have to wait until you sell the house, and that can't happen as instantly as stocks. So to just be very non-biased across the board, really the two questions a would-be investor should ask themselves with their 50 grand is two questions. Number one, what's the risk tolerance? 
because the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward, of course, but then also the higher the probability of making no money at all. So number one, what's your risk tolerance? What can you do to still be able to lay your head down on the pillow and sleep at night? And then number two, what's your liquidity preference? If you wanted to liquidate and get actual cash back, how quickly would you want that to happen where real estate is one of the slowest assets to liquidate because you have to list that house for sale and sell it? Obviously, you did mention $50,000 is not enough money to buy a house. It's more than enough money to put down as what's called an EMD, earnest money deposit, and then go secure financing, whether it's traditional through a bank or creative like we've been talking about. So mm. although $50,000 is enough to buy – well, that's not true. I mean you can go to Detroit and buy a house still for $5,000, right? right? But right. wouldn't recommend it. It's selling for 5000 for a reason. <laughs> yeah. But for a house that you'd want to own, $50,000 is going to be hard to find a house that you can buy outright that you'd actually want to own. Mm. So it's more than enough, though, for an earnest money deposit. And for your listeners that might not know what that is, you know, when you make an offer that gets accepted, you're required to put down 3% of your purchase price. And so at $50,000, that's a $1.5 million house. I mean, that's right. That's more than enough as an earnest money deposit. Then where do you go get the rest of the financing? Again, can be an option of creative financing, traditional lenders, et cetera. So back to your original question, you know, what do I recommend? I recommend that people really look at the risk tolerance. Is that the $50,000 you have to your name? And if you lose it, you're freaking done. Or is that $50,000 that if you lost it, you wouldn't even notice was gone mm. is a big question, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we did talk about, you know, Bitcoin. I do have Bitcoin, but I invested money that pff, if it was gone tomorrow, you know, not to sound like, oh, I'm so rich, but right. it's not survival money. I wouldn't care that it was gone. Right. What I bought and when I bought it, it's nothing that would freak me out. Right. So right. if this is your life savings and your retirement, then you should put things into a much safer asset class than any type of cryptocurrency and even stocks for that matter. Stocks have been, you know, we've been in a bull market. And things have kind of mellowed out a bit, but every single day I feel like there's a new news report that the Dow Jones has hit a new record. So mm -hmm. even stocks I'd be a little leery of. Right. Everything, our economy, real estate, stocks are cyclical, and stocks have had a big and a long upswing for a while. There could become a correction. And in that case, that doesn't mean stocks are out. You just want to short your stock, right? Mm -hmm. So. I would actually, I mean, back up my question, your question even further and say, before you make any decision, go get an education. That's what I would say yeah. is evaluate your risk tolerance, think about your liquidity preference, and then go get educated in cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, all that stuff. Go educate yourself in stocks. And I like that you said index funds, you know, like the S&P 500 mm -hmm. is what's his name. Warren Buffett swears by, because now instead of betting on one company, you're betting on the 500 most successful companies like the S&P 500. You're betting on the most successful 500 companies across the board in America. So right. there's less risk there. And typically, you know, index funds do well. So educate yourself on that. And then for real estate investing, of course, you know, there's cycles there. And we've had a long growth cycle in real estate as well. So I know that's a, that was a mouthful, but I think it comes back to preference and education. I think that that was the answer that I was hoping for at the end there, Cole, was that ultimately, if you don't know anything about any of that, then you have to use part of your 50000 to invest into yourself to know about any of the stuff that Cole was just talking about. And I think people have this misconception where like, okay, I have some extra money. Now I'm going to go invest it. Okay. Well, do you know anything about any of that stuff? <laughs> do you know how to secure financing? Do you know if you want to do real estate? If, do you know what an indexed mutual fund is versus a managed mutual fund? Do you know what cryptocurrency even is or which crypto you should put your money into? Do you know what the blockchain, like, do, you, do you know what any of this stuff is? And if you don't, 
then a lot of that 50,000, I think, should probably be spent into investing back into yourself so that you can learn what you're doing with your money. Ultimately, it's such a small amount of money as far as the grand scheme of things goes, and it may not seem like a small amount of money to you right now. Whatever you have, it's 50,000, 10,000, 15, 25. But if it's under 100,000, it's probably just a good idea to spend a decent amount of that investing into your own self and gaining the knowledge that you need to have in order to invest wisely in the future. So Cole, I kind of want to shift the conversation and get into talking about building relationships, which is something that I really admire about you, something that you've really doubled down on and are very, very good at. This question is something I, this is one I ask just about everybody that comes onto the show helps me get the conversation moving in that direction. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Perfect. So I literally say this every single time I'm on stage or podcast. I say, neither. It's what you know with who you know that matters. I believe that so strongly. And so I have an amazing network, but if I didn't have any, like, so, I mean, let me pick somebody, Fan Merrill. So Fan Merrill is my real estate mentor. He and I have since gone into business together and I've had some of the funds that I've invested in. He's the principal founder of, right? And so mm-hmm. I know Fan Merrill who is worth hundreds of millions, whose businesses generate hundreds of millions. You know, he's had his reality TV show. He's a big deal. The world of investors would love to know Fan Merrill. So number one, I know him. But then number two, I also know how to invest in real estate. Just knowing the guy, maybe it would be fun to pick his brain over some cocktails or something, but I'm not going to profit from that. And so Mm. number one, I have that relationship. But then number two, I actually know how to invest in real estate. You know, collaborating with that relationship, I've made the majority of my money in real estate investing directly because of my relationship with him since 2011 when we met. And I can go down the list of friends and colleagues I have. And so I think it's super important to do both. Having a impressive Rolodex isn't going to make you money. Likewise, sitting around and studying in your basement and knowing a lot about everything won't necessarily make you money. Or if it does, it won't make you any money. It could have by having the right relationships. And so I think it's important to do both. I think that People don't have patience and try to force relationships. Relationships come. I became an entrepreneur in 2005, and I can't say that I had really fantastic relationships that, you know, directly because of those were providing insane opportunities for me, probably till 2012. Mm-hmm. Like the first seven years, it was just me and my dad grinding it out. And then all of a sudden, as I became more successful and started meeting more successful people, you know, when you make money, your network changes. It just happens that way. Right. And so then all of a sudden I started making relationships. So it's both. You got to have both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Talk about how podcasting, throwing your event thrive and stuff like that has allowed you to build a fantastic inner circle. Yeah. So podcasting's cool. I used to have a podcast like this where I'd interview people. My current podcast, I just share content from Thrive, little two-minute clips of it. So that's, you know, I'm not actually interacting with people anymore. It's just happening through my team. But I thought the podcast was so fascinating that some of the people that I had on my show, like JJ Virgin, who then eventually spoke at Thrive, and like Tony Horton from P90X and these amazing entrepreneurs who are the most successful, iconic people in their industries, if I reached out to them and said, hey, can I pick your brain for an hour? I'm an aspiring entrepreneur. I would love to learn from you. They're going to say, nope, I don't have time. I'm a super busy multimillionaire. But as soon as I say, hey, I'm going to interview you on my podcast and share it with the world, then they schedule it. And all I'm doing is picking their brain and asking questions that I really want to know. Like they're literally coaching me for an hour for free. And just because I've recorded it and shared it with the world, they're okay with that. So Mm -hmm. I think podcasting is a fantastic tool to expand your network because 
you know, no offense. If somebody called me, we're friends. You're my mastermind. Like, you know, we're homies. But when random people reach out to me and say, hey, Cole, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain for an hour? The answer is always no, because I guard my time. Mm -hmm. But when someone's like, hey, Cole, can I have you on my podcast where I probably give even better advice on the podcast than I would over a cup of coffee? I'm okay to do that because now they're going to distribute it through their audience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's selling tickets to thrive or whatever it is I'm promoting in the moment, it helps move my ship forward. Right. And so so podcasting is a great place where I started in 2013, expanding my network. That's where I met a mutual friend of ours, John Lee Dumas, who's actually how you and I got introduced. Mm -hmm. And through John Lee Dumas becoming friends with him, I was introduced to a bunch of other friends as well. And that's where I actually created Thrive. And Thrive is what lit my network on fire. So through John Lee Dumas, you know, I was introduced to to Adam Braun. Adam Braun and I became friends. Through John and Adam Braun, I was introduced to Gary Vaynerchuk. I asked Gary Vaynerchuk through those two mutual contacts to come and speak at Thrive number one. He said yes. And then once I had Gary V, it was easy to ask a bunch of other people to come. Of hey, come speak in Vegas. Gary V is going to be there. Right. And that first year I had 22 speakers. I only knew like three of them. You know, <laughs> the other 19 people were people who I'd never known before who were way beyond my reach. But because I was throwing an event like the podcast scenario, hey, I'm going to have a badass event and you're going to be a speaker on stage in front of hundreds of people. They showed up. Right. And then once I had that credibility, you know, this is going to be. Hopefully you guys can see that there's a timeline here. Of course. Once I had that credibility, Thrive 2 was even easier to say, hey, look what I did last year. This year is going to be more people, better speak. And then Thrive 3 was freaking insane. You know, I had Les Brown and Grant Cardone and just insane. You know, we had billionaires speaking at Thrive this year. Mm-hmm. I would never have been able to talk to a billionaire before. But now I'm like, yo, billionaire, check this out. I have the hottest event for entrepreneurs in the world. Inc., Forbes, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur.com all say this is the best event. Do you want to speak there? And now what's really interesting, Travis, is people are reaching out to me and I get bombarded by people who once upon a time I would dream to even talk to mm-hmm. are now asking me if they can speak on my stage. Right. And that's only helping my network. So again, there's a timeline. Back to my real estate success. 2012, I knew nobody. Nobody knew me and nobody cared. Over the last five years of consistently expanding that network on a platform that creates value for the person I'm reaching out to. I'm not asking these people to come and get a cup of coffee. I'm either sharing their conversation on a podcast, right, or now at Thrive. And because of that and this timeline, now I'm blessed to say I have an insane network of just – some of the most sought after thought leader entrepreneur types in the world who aren't pseudo friendships. Like these are genuine friends of mine mm-hmm. who, you know, my wife and I were just talking about that this morning, actually, just how blessed we are of the people who are in our network. We're launching a new business and the contacts that we need to make it happen are just a text message away. And we're like, this is so crazy. And <laughs> it's not an accident. It's a result of hard work. And so for this to be something that's, you know, action items for your listeners so that they're just not like, okay, lucky for you, Cole, you know, to make this a teaching lesson is it took years. It wasn't instant. So have patience. And then number two, when I found the person that I would want to bring into my network, I offered a platform that created value in their lives. I wasn't asking for handouts. I was, to Gary V's credit, giving 5149 at least, where I was giving them more than they were giving me, right. at least by 1%, because I had those 5149 or greater type offers where, hey, you help me, but I'm helping you more. I mean, again, selling books to help them become New York Times bestsellers, all those sort of things that right. I did behind the scenes to get them to then create value for me is why I now have the network I do. 
so two things I took out of that, Cole, one is exactly what you're just talking about, creating win-win situations where influencers, people that are really successful and that have a lot of influence, that have people reaching out to them on a daily basis, like you said, they have to guard their time. And if you're just another person coming up saying, hey, can we grab a cup of coffee? That's not something that's going to be advantageous for that person. And they just don't have the time to be able to say yes to that. I'm sure they would love to. It's not that they're being a jerk or anything. They just literally do not have the time to make it happen. So what Cole's talking about creating win-win situations is what literally unlocks the ability to have those people now reach out to him. And then the patience, the long-term thinking with that is so key. And I think so many people, and you can talk into this Cole, if you'd like to, I think so many people are not okay with hearing the word no. So when they first start reaching out to people and they start getting some no's, they just get really, really discouraged because it's not happening as soon as they want it to. And they shut down. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. It's funny. You keep bringing up topics that are like hot buttons for me. So no is a scary word for a lot of people. What I would encourage anyone listening to this to do is put yourself in that scenario in your mind, pretend you made the ask and they said, no, where are you? Almost always you're right where you were anyway. And so, so many people are like, well, I don't want to do this because what if it's no, but by not asking it was a no, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, right. I, have, I have a younger cousin. Like and, worst uh, case scenario. Like you're yeah, exactly. exactly. The absolute worst case scenario is they say no. So by not asking you are now in the absolute worst case scenario. <laughs> right. So then there's the emotional, like, Oh, I got rejected. Pff, get over it. Right. Like, geez, man. Right. If I wouldn't have married my wife, if I took no for an answer, right? I mean, <laughs> I had to chase that one down forever. So the point is, um, there's, you know, persistence wears down resistance. You can throw that in there too. Just keep following up, but don't be afraid of no. Maybe it will suck to hear a no, but the reality is if you get a no, it's like nothing's changed almost always. Like it's hard for me to think of a scenario where if you ask and they say no, you're worse off than if you'd never asked at all. Right. right? I mean, right. lenders, Cole, I've always wanted to do real estate. My uncle has money, but I'm afraid if I ask him, he's going to say no. Well, if you don't ask him, you don't have his money anyway. So right. go ask him. If he says no, you still don't have his money. And so <laughs> the point is, don't be afraid of no. There's the fear of rejection in all of us, no matter how thick of skin we have, don't right. like that feeling. Of course. But you just can't personalize anything. You've got to take your wins with your losses. And like most things in life, it's a numbers game. So yeah. if you got to know, and if one door is closed, another opens, right? If you got to know, a lot of times you're just talking to the wrong person as well. Here's a quick example for that too. I need to move an airline and they wanted to charge me a difference of fare, which makes sense, plus 200 bucks. And I was like, screw you. You're not charging me $200 just to change my flight. You press one button and it's done. They're like, oh, that's our policy. I negotiated with them. I begged them. I pleaded with them. They kept saying no. So I just hung up on them. I called back. I got another no. I hung up on them. I called back. I got a third person literally having the same conversation three times in the course of maybe 15 minutes. The third person says, we got to charge you $200 fee. I said, waive the fee. They said, okay, as a courtesy, I'm happy to waive that fee for you. And so it took three people. The two said, no, I just kept hanging up and calling back, <laughs> almost like to see if it would work. And the third person was having a good day. Who knows what happened, right? In their personal lives to be feeling generous, but right, right. they waived the fee. So anyway, I'm, I'm being too long-winded in my answer. Don't be afraid of no. If you get a no, you're almost always where you would have been anyway. And a lot of times you're just talking to the wrong person. Just talk to a new person, and sometimes that no turns into a yes. Right, and even when you do get no's, 
what I found is that it makes you more comfortable with the next no. So even if you get a no, I would argue that you're not even in the same place. You're actually a little bit further ahead than you were because now you're more comfortable asking a second time to a different person because your tolerance of hearing the word no has increased a little bit. And so that's something that I'm doing with my mastermind, Cole, is that in month two, and I haven't told anybody this, so if you're listening right now, you're in the mastermind, get ready. I'm going to be challenging everybody in my mastermind to go knock on 100 doors and pitch whatever their businesses to 100 people. As I come up from a strong door-to-door sales background, and that's probably the biggest takeaway that I've taken into life with me now, and especially with this podcast and asking people that are you know strapped for time to come on the show and not caring if they say no, is that you know, I've knocked on thousands of doors. I've heard thousands of no's. I've had people tell me to F off and get off their porch and you know all that kind of stuff. And so every time you get yourself into the situation, even if you get a no, I would argue that you're actually a little bit better off than you were because now you have, you're more comfortable in the situation. You're more confident to ask again the next time around. So I have a question. So yeah. you're on someone's porch. They're an a-hole. They tell you to go F yourself and get off their porch. How do you clear your mental space? This is now I'm interviewing you. How do you go <laughs> knock on the next door, bro? Like, cause door to door sales, bro, you got thick skin. Like that is the ultimate of facing rejection and overcoming it. So for you to ask, you know, the specific question of how do you deal with no, you better than anybody know how to answer that question. So let me ask you, a no is one thing. But if you knock on someone's door and they're a dick about it and they're like, F you, get off my porch, how do you clear your brain or you know, brush that off your shoulder to then go next on, knock on the next door with a smile on your face? 100% mindset. Because when I talk to – so when most people talk to somebody that's just being a total jerk at the door, they get like their feelings hurt and they take it so personally. For me, I literally just have fun with them. Like when somebody's being a jerk like that, I literally just make it my goal to keep them outside of their house like on the porch or like with their door open as long as I possibly can so if they're like telling me to f off and they're telling me all this other stuff I just start like going into my pitch and start talking to them and like seeing how long it takes for them just to close the door in my face and I just turn it into a game I have fun with it because that's all you can do if you're going to take it personally then you're never going to be able to move on to the next door you're just going to be letting it sit and you're going to be thinking about it and well I should have said this and you know it just puts it raises these levels of contention that literally have no need to be there because now you're just wasting your time you're wasting your energy on something negative when you can just move on to the next door and that person's probably a total sweetheart so um, it's, that's why 100 100 mindset but well, uh, good yeah. for you bro you it's should just, freaking it's just a game i play i just try to keep them outside of their house as long as i can to waste more of their time you should write like an ebook or something or, or create some type of a course or something on that stuff because i mean that's helpful i mean that was your quick response but like if you actually put some steps and things in place. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. and that would probably take you three days to knock that out and True. it could help thousands of people. I will write that down right now. <laughs> yeah, do <laughs> it, bro. What am I to do? All right. So I'll challenge you. I'm going to see you in Vegas in January. Have it done by then and let connect here for the first time. All right. Sounds good. I will do that. All no, right. no, no. I'm going to take it one step further. You're also going to talk for 15 minutes on the subject and then give us all your ebook. <laughs> all right. All right. Then I better get to work then. Yeah. So now you got a deadline and a goal. <laughs> Perfect. So if everybody listening, just so you're aware, I think I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast, but if you have not heard me say it, this is the mastermind I've been talking about that I've been joining is with Cole. So that's what he's talking about. We're having our first mastermind all together in Vegas in January. And so I joined up with Cole's mastermind after I was at Thrive representing John Lee Dumas at his booth. And we connected really well. I, I like real estate a lot and I'm an amateur investor 
investor myself. And so I'm trying to get more into that and want to be around Cole and learn a lot from his knowledge, but also meet the people he's been able to meet and all that kind of thing. So talking a little bit into that, Cole, how have one-on-one mentorships and masterminds allowed you to build your inner circle? That's exactly the whole point I do it. So I say this at Connect, you'll hear this again in January, and I have my mastermind and I pay for two masterminds. I'm a member. One of them is $10,000 a year. The other is $35,000 a year. So I personally spend forty-five grand a year in the two masterminds I'm in, 100% to build relationships. I do not show up to the mastermind with the expectation to learn something that's going to make me a million dollars, although... Oh, that's not true. I was going to say, I don't think I have, but yes, I I have picked up things that I've then brought back to my business that I can show like a monetary ROI on. So, so that's true, but that's not my goal. I don't show up saying, man, this content better be so heavy and so rich that I can show, you know, for the 45,000 I'm investing 450,000 back because I got a 10 X my money. That is not my goal. I show up and I immediately start looking around and saying, okay, where's my next business partner? Where's my next speaker for Thrive? Where's my next lender? And I start engaging in conversations, not with an agenda, like as I'm talking to you, it's like, how are you going to benefit me? But like we already discussed 10 minutes ago, how can I create so much value in this person's life? They feel obligated to reciprocate and bring value to mine. Mm. And that's it, dude. So, you know, at Connect, I set that expectation. Hey, I'm going to bring amazing speakers. You're going to learn a lot, but meet each other because you're all awesome in your own way and in your own industries. That's why we have an interview process to get in because we want to bring high caliber individuals. And when I show up as an attendee, that's my expectation personally. And so hopefully you're setting that expectation within your mastermind as well, that of course you're going to bring great content for thought provoking conversations and, you know, some tips and strategies to actually help make money. But the real, real point of a mastermind versus just reading a book for information or even just going to a live event like Thrive, why we set the mastermind and don't just leave Thrive as it is and that's the end of it is because that camaraderie, those relationships and that network building you can't do any other way. Yeah, literally the entire reason you and I are on this call and then the whole reason that I'm even a, a member of Connect, that I was even at Thrive is because that's exactly the mentality that I went into the mastermind that I paid for with John Lee Dumas at his house. And I think that's one thing that separates a real relationship is that when I paid that money for, which for me at that time was, you know, a lot of money it was like, I think it was 6,500 bucks just for the weekend. And plus my plane ticket to Puerto Rico and back, it was it cost me like $8,000 for like three days or so. And my initial mentality was like, man, I better get something out of this to where I can like make this money back. But then I immediately caught myself thinking that and said, you know what, don't even worry about that. The main reason to do this is just to try to be friends with somebody like John Lee Dumas. And so I changed my mentality, my mindset and went into it thinking, how can I add value to this guy? How can I create some sort of value in John's life to where he would be a proponent of of whatever content that I'm trying to push out? So I just kind of I was just actively engaged the whole weekend trying to find a way that I could help a door that I could help open or opportunity that I could help with. And eventually we were started talking about podcast movement and he had a booth there and needed somebody to sell journals and he only had one guy so far. And he asked me, 
if I'd be willing to do some training since my whole background's in door-to-door sales and retail sales and stuff. And so I just was like, Hey man, well, if you're okay with it, I'll just work the booth. And he was like, Oh man, that'd be super awesome. And so I ended up working the booth at podcast movement. And then that's when he was, since he was speaking at thrive Cole, he was like, Hey, I'm also going to be speaking at thrive and I'm going to have a booth there. I don't have anybody run it. You mind doing that one for me too? And I said, yeah, for sure. And it was hundred percent volunteer. I paid for my own hotel. I got myself out there and took a whole weekend off of my main hustle, which cost me money just to try to add value to somebody like John. And then when I met you there, Cole, I was like, oh man, this is somebody that I really, you know, vibe with somebody that's got a lot of good stuff going on. And then that's when John took a picture of us, of me and him and sent it to you and was like, Hey, meet my buddy, Travis, while you're here, he's got some questions about your mastermind. And now I'm in connect and we're talking on this interview and now you're connecting me to all these other people. And it was just because of that one mindset shift that I made last May to go into it thinking, what can I give to John instead of what can I take away from this that can make me my money back? Totally. So I'll, we'll reverse roles here. So what I heard there and is just two things. Number one, you took action. You put your like money where your mouth is, so to speak. You know, you invested 8,000, went there. But then again, back to what we talked about earlier, you said not what can I get, but what can I give? And as a result, that's going to come back to you. You know, you talked all about that. And now you're in connect. And bro, just the people you're going to meet and the stuff we're going to do, it's going to come back 10x. And so, you know, for the listeners taking away what to do there, lead with service, don't lead with an agenda, help others. It always comes back. And yeah, I'm excited to see how much further it goes. Cause so now the story ends with this podcast, but then you'll be like, and then in January, because of this mastermind, I met Bob who introduced me to Mary, who introduced me to Bob. And now we're making $10 million a year in this. And there's this nine, nine person long chain all the way back to me showing up to Puerto Rico saying, how can I help John Lee Dumas? Nine people later, I'm making $10 million a year with Susan, who I would have never met otherwise. It's like, so anyway, that's awesome, man. So much awesome things here, Cole, and we could talk about this forever. I could talk to you about real estate for another three hours, I'm sure, but got to get moving. I know you got a lot of stuff to do, and then I got another interview coming up here pretty quick. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here called the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Yep. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Professional skydiver. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk with them for an hour, who would it be and why? My grandpa, because I miss him. And he sadly died before I became an entrepreneur, so I'd love to talk to him about what I've done and how he would do it better. How do you like to learn best, books, blogs, or podcasts? None of the above. Conversations like this. I like picking people's brains. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Hang out with my family for at least the first two hours, eat breakfast with my daughters and wife 100% of the time. Maybe by about 9 a.m. or so, move into the business phase, check emails, go to the gym, and then by maybe 10, 30, 11 a.m., grind until maybe 6 p.m. What is your go-to pump-up song? Right now, it's Day New. It just came out, and it's a chick song. My daughters love it, and I love it too. <laughs> what are you not very good at? Paying attention. All right, as we get everything wrapped up here, Cole, what is one place online where we'll be able to find you the most? Probably just colehatter.com, my name, or attendthrive.com for Thrive. Those are the only two things that I even have online. So <laughs> there you go. Other than social media, right? But right, yeah, right. colehatter.com. All those links will or, be on your website, though, right? social media links and stuff, right? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Perfect. social media is at colehatter as well. So everything's just colehatter.com or at colehatter. No underscores, no periods, no nothing for all social media channels. 
Cool. So go to colehatter.com to find out everything about Cole and then all of his social media links will be there. Go follow him and follow his content. Puts out a lot of really, really good stuff. And then you can also follow him by following me through my journey with Connect, which I will definitely be posting a lot of my takeaways from that kind of this, from the, from those kind of things in our Facebook group, which if you're not a part of it, just head over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB, hit the link there, grab my ebook, and I will uh, connect with you in there. Cole, thanks so much for coming to the show today, brother. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Hey, I'm going to call you out right now in front of everybody. 15 minutes and connect, bro. And you just talked about an ebook. Second ebook's coming, right? Perfect. Perfect. All right, man. You guys happen. heard it here. It's going to happen. Cool. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies, and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.